And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Go, man. Tear it off, dude. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. The 49ers have hit the bye week, and I'd venture to say that it's come at an opportune time for them. They're 2-3, and three. they're in last place in NFC West, and both of their quarterbacks are currently unavailable in the training room. That's Jimmy Garoppolo with the calf injury, Trey Lance with the knee sprain. So if the game were this weekend, ah, that might be a problem for the 49ers. It might have to be Nate Sudfeld time, but... There's optimism that at least Jimmy Garoppolo will be ready to go for week six against the Colts. That's October 24th, Sunday night football. Until then, Garoppolo will be rehabbing, Trey Lance will be rehabbing, and the 49ers will be circling the wagons after what's been a frustrating start. Uh, You know, they're ranked number 10 in DVOA, Matt, which is the Football Outsiders efficiency ranking. Uh, The average two and three team is ranked number 17. So that just goes and tells you that the 49ers are better than all the other two and three teams as far as efficiency goes. But uh, they haven't been better at those crucial moments in the margins, especially offensively and then on special teams against the Seahawks. And because of that, they have an uphill climb to make here as the season progresses. Yeah, and I think that's what they went into the the bye week uh, sort of telling themselves that they're more talented than than two and three. And, um, you know, it would just take a, a, a few more games to be a winning team um, and, to, and to be back in, in the hunt. I don't think that they're um, very far out of the wild card race at all. And the teams involved in it all seem like teams that are beatable, um, you know, teams that are going to win some games and they're going to lose some games, uh, which is to say as long as the 49ers sort of keep their head above water, they should be able to stay in it in time for everything that didn't coalesce to, to start working together. And you're right, I, I think the bye week comes at a really good time. I think there are some players that are really going to uh, benefit from it. Um, Jermichael Hasty. Um, it, it, it's a little odd that we're talking about a uh, an undrafted guy last year who's uh, now in sort of a, a critical fashion, but uh, he'd basically be their, their third down back if he's able to come back from... The, uh, the high ankle sprain that he suffered in week two. And then Dennis, another guy I think that they could really use something more out of is Samson Ebucom uh, coming off the edge. He dealt with a hamstring injury in training camp. He's still sort of dealing with that hamstring injury now. Um, he's a guy that uh, might uh, use a, a week to finally put that behind him because they could use somebody coming off the edge on an every-down basis opposite Nick Bosa, uh, and then all of a sudden you, you'd you have something going into uh, Week 7. It's an early bye for a team, but the 49ers could have used this, this bye week after Week 2. I mean, this team is so beat up, and it's I think it's interesting you both say that you know they're still in the hunt even though they've lost three in a row. Um, the team, you know, d- doesn't play any kind of consistent football. 
you got your first string quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, your franchise quarterback. Then you have your your third pick overall quarterback, and he's banged up too. So, I mean, I this this bye week is going to be good. Hopefully, you can get some guys back. But I think at this point, you got to hope at least you can get your quarterbacks back. Uh, then nothing's been said about Jimmy Garoppolo and what's with with his calf. Is that is that going to be something he can come back? And then Trey Lance with his knee. I mean, a knee for a quarterback that runs the ball as much as he does. I mean, that's that that's huge. And you know, it it, it speaks to kind of Kyle Shanahan, and no one's talking about. It. I mean, what's what's the temperature of Kyle Shanahan's seat right now? I mean, he's got no quarterback. He's basically got no running back. He's got a team that's really beat up a team that's lost three games in a row and you're coming off a bye and you're three games back in your division. So, I mean, hopefully they can get something uh, uh, during this bye week. A pass rush is great. You have a pass rush, but it's just not consistent. And what I see from this team is that, you know, for some reason you can't put together a complete football game. And, you know, who's the leaders on this football team now? Who gets these guys motivated? Ken Kyle Shanahan. We always talk about Kyle Shanahan, what a great play caller he is, what a great game or a game planner he is, or the, a great, you know, offensive mind. But can you motivate, you know, a team to come back and play? I mean, over everything, I'm beyond everything. Play well, and that's what this team is missing—a consistent play. So, you know, the bye week is great. I mean, you know, you've lost three three games in a row, but what do you do now? How do you get this team motivated to come out? Uh, the second well, second half of this football season and start, you know, piling up some wins. Because if you lose another game Sunday night football, I mean, I don't know what happens after that, but you have to be motivated to play this Indianapolis team. We saw them kind of throw away a game last week or Monday night football, I think it was. And then now they'll play another football game before they play you. So, you know, you got to get motivated somehow. And Kyle Shen has to figure out how to get this team motivated and get them to play more you know, consistent football because it's all over the place right now. Well, and Carson Wentz is starting to play better football for the Colts. So he came out of the gate weak this season, obviously had a lot of injury issues in the preseason, and he's had a rough go of it over the past few years, traded from Philadelphia to the Colts. But it looks like the Colts offensively might start hitting their stride right now. And for the 49ers, that presents a big challenge on Sunday night football in a game where they will see the reunion with DeForest Buckner. But first, let's talk 49ers offense because everything that Dennis was saying, I think that in the modern NFL, Matt, you have to have that cohesion between play caller and quarterback, and that cohesion has to turn into execution on the field. I've been critical of Kyle Shanahan this week. I thought that he ran Trey Lance at the ground, exposed him to – uh, you know, too much injury against the Cardinals. I, I understand what Shanahan was trying to do. He had an in- inexperienced passer, wasn't ready for the bright lights of 30 decisions from the pocket yet. So what Kyle Shanahan did is he poured it the North Dakota State offense into the 49ers offense and had Trey Lance run a lot of that. But uh, you're not running over future accountants and future insurance salesmen in in the NFL like Trey Lance was at North Dakota State. You're running into Isaiah Simmons out of Clemson and uh, those hits get nasty. And now Trey Lance obviously is uh, rehabbing a knee sprain. So uh, the 49ers, I, I, they did what they could with what they had, but it wasn't a sustainable formula. 
against Arizona. And you can argue, you know, smaller things. Oh, maybe he should have given Brandon Ayuk more chances on jet sweeps or handed off more to Elijah Mitchell. But at the end of the day, the 49ers kept on committing penalties. They were, uh, you know, moving back 10 yards at a time due to holding penalties. They were uh, dropping passes from Trey Lance on third down. Trey Lance wasn't able to execute the short game. They went, what, four of 16 on third and fourth down. So at the end of the day, I think this was a collective offensive failure. The 49ers managed only 10 points. That was the fewest since the Washington Mud Bowl in 2019. And uh, that's something that needs to be fixed moving forward. And that's why I think they're happy that they still have Jimmy Garoppolo on this roster. Because even if Lance is healthy, uh, I really do think that moving forward, Matt, the 49ers have to return back to the plan that plays both quarterbacks. Because there's too much of an efficiency gap right now between Garoppolo and Lance. And Garoppolo still is a limited guy. There's still stuff that the 49ers can't do because of Garoppolo. They can't really reach their full offensive ceiling. And that's why Trey Lance is here, at least in 2021. I really think that Kyle Shanahan, to flex his play-calling muscle, I really think he needs to return to what he initially planned to do and find a way to play both Garoppolo and Lance. Yeah, I agree. I think the theme ought to be return to plan A, which seemed to be coming out of the preseason that these guys would both play. And, and, and I realize it would be Garoppolo lion share. But my idea, what I thought was going to happen coming out of the bye, is that Lance would play maybe six snaps in week one. And then in week two, it would be seven or eight. And then et cetera, et cetera, until a point where he was getting a healthy share of the games. And I thought it would be a way to keep defenses off balance. What we found out, though, is that Shanahan believes that in order to give the starting quarterback the proper amount of reps, the proper planning, that guy needs to take the absolute bulk of, of the reps the, the week before, and you can't really split it during the week. It's all about the preparation for that game. But I agree with you. They have to find a way to do that. I think the main issue for the offense is that once Raheem Mostert got injured, and really it was just a few plays into week one, that uh, running game, which is the foundation for everything. Jimmy Garoppolo plays a lot better with a play action. He plays a lot better when there's a robust running game. Once Raheem Mostert went out of there, it became wobbly. And it became incoherent. And then it was compounded by Elijah Mitchell going down and then Michael Hasty going down. They're getting some of those guys back and they can sort of do this reboot, this reset to week one, where they were heading into that Lions game when really everything was going perfectly. And, and we did see Trey Lance come in. Remember, he threw a, a touchdown on his first ever pass play. That That's what they need to rediscover, get back to that, get defenses off balance. And, you know, the, the, the Raiders, albeit you know, second and third stringers in the preseason didn't know what to do when it was Lance one play, uh, Garoppolo the next. I'm not saying you have to do that every play, but some of that just to to make sure that you're the ones with momentum, that the the opponent is the one on its heels. Dennis, that hasn't been the case. It's been stop and start, sputter, um, just very uh, inconsistent football to this point. Yeah, you said it, inconsistent. And it's, you know, not only as an offense, but individual players. I mean, there's been games when Trent Williams have been, you know, pancaking people, and then you see times when he struggles. There's been times when Mike McGlinchey's been really good. Last week we saw against J.J. Watt, probably had his worst game as a 49er. J.J. Watt had his way. Yes, J.J. Watt is one of the better defensive linemen in the National Football League, but... You know, the cat's like 37 years old. So, you know, and, and the offensive line. I mean, we thought going into this season, even though, you know, your second round draft pick's not out there, but you thought the um, 
offensive line would be pretty strong, but they go up and down. You know, then your your quarterback play, you have Jimmy Garoppolo coming out, he gets hurt again. Uh, so then the running backs go down, your tight end goes down, and it's just just inconsistency. So again, like I said, I don't know how you get these guys motivated. I don't think it's just going to be a week of a bye week and all of a sudden it's going to go back to you know where it was after the first play of the Detroit game where it looks like the offense is you know one of the better offenses in the NFL some somebody uh, someone has to has to stand up someone has to step up as a player or a leader or something on this football team because it really feels like it's all discombobulated like this team is on paper we talk about it consistently on paper one of the better teams in the National Football League if if you can stay injured, if, if you can stay on the field, if you cannot get injured, if you can, all these different things happen. But the bottom line is players play. I mean, so someone kind of has to stand up in this football team. Like I said, I don't know. You guys know better than I do. I don't know who the leaders of this football team are. There's no identity to this football team now. And on the defensive side, you know, it's, you know, again, on paper, it's the best defensive line in the NFL, best pass rush. But you only show up for a half at a time. So I, I just don't know how this team gets motivated and who, goes, who gets them motivated because there's no identity on this football team. And I can't clearly say who's the leader in this football team. Who's going to have that, that players-only meeting and say, listen, we have a lot of football left to play. We have to be better. We have to play better. I just don't know who that guy is. Maybe you guys can enlighten me a little bit on that. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Well, the identity for the 49ers has to be a successful run game. You know, that's a mentality thing for the 49ers, but it's also a schematic thing for the way that Kyle Shanahan has built this football team and how, you know, his offense works. If you look at when the 49ers were successful under Kyle Shanahan in 2019, when they saw, you know, their biggest wins and went all the way to the Super Bowl, it was because that run game was just humming along. And I think more specifically, it was because they had Raheem Mostert humming along with speed that was just absolutely shocking opposing defenses. So my theory is this. I think it's it's simple, but it's led to a more intricate domino effect of stuff going downstream. I think that the 49ers had designed a lot of their offense to take advantage of Raheem Mostert's unique speed. We saw him just blast out of the gate on two carries against Detroit in week one. Uh, that were impressive, that that looked like carries that an NFL defense shouldn't give up. But to be honest, Raheem Mostert, he, he's not like 4-3 fast. He seems like 4-2 fast when he's healthy, right? And and I think that the, the Shanahan, 
you could blast him all you want for this because it might not have been smart and probably wasn't smart to base so much of his offensive structure around a player who's hurt so often. But I think a lot of the offensive structure was based on the unique stuff that you, Raheem Mostert's speed can bring the spine of the offense. Mostert got hurt. The 49ers were still okay because Elijah Mitchell can replicate some of that burst. But then you saw Elijah Mitchell also get hurt. And that's when you saw this offensive inconsistency really, really, really take hold against defenses that aren't that good. You know, defenses that the 49ers should move the ball against. And, you know, first we're talking uh, the, the the game against Green Bay. Obviously, that, that's one that the 49ers fell into a big hole. But, you know, if you now look forward into this post-buy world, 49ers have Elijah Mitchell back. He already started to do some nice things. It's and some nice things against Arizona. I think they might have still limited his load. That's why he only got those nine carries. I definitely think that if he was healthy, uh, he would have gotten more. And if he was healthy, he should have gotten more. But you apply that to the final 12 games, Matt, and, and you have to have Elijah Mitchell replicate that Mostert role. You have to have speed in the outside zone. And I think that's that one key. That's the missing puzzle piece. That's the, that's the, the spin to solve the Rubik's Cube for the 49ers. I do think that they can see better offensive consistency if they establish that outside zone with the speed that Shanahan initially schemed for. And uh, that applies for both Jimmy Garoppolo and Trey Lance. And I would offer that you get those two quarterbacks best into the fold if guys like Mitchell are contributing because that that, that sets up the run-first offense that the 49ers need. Yeah, and I think we saw good signs of that happening uh, against Arizona. And you can only imagine that, that Mitchell is going to get more comfortable. Maybe he'll even start playing on some third downs, which was uh, the role that uh, Mostert was going to have entering the season as well. I think that's got to happen. And that means that Trey Sermon would have to get more involved. So I, I think trust in your rookies, that's going to come naturally as, the, as the, the season goes on. But I feel like the 49ers need to accelerate that a little bit faster than they maybe want to. Um, Sermon and uh, Mitchell are your two most talented, healthy running backs. <laughs> they need to be on the field. <laughs> and uh, really, it's been odd that they haven't. But let, let's let's answer Dennis's question, because I think he's hitting on a really good question here. The 49ers, Dennis, have seven team captains. George Kittle, Fred Warner, Jimmy Garoppolo, Trent Williams, Eric Armstead, Jimmy Ward, and Raheem Mostert. Um, Mostert is hurt. Kittle is hurt. Um, Garoppolo is not a vocal guy at all, and he's been undermined by the fact that this team drafted his replacement number, number three overall. Uh, to me, you know, the, the, the two guys that, that stand out from that list are, are Kittle and Warner. Uh, those are the guys that I see and hear exhibiting the most um, leadership. And, and, you know, in my business, that's coming through the media. It's when they talk to the media, et cetera. No, no open locker rooms or anything like that. Um, but I, I just don't know in this day and age whether you have those player-only meetings, whether there's a guy who um, is, is the guy that grabs you by your collar and, and, and tells the rookie he needs to shape up, that tells Brandon Ayuk he needs to step it up a little bit. I asked Jimmy Garoppolo about Brandon Ayuk, and I got a very, you know, plain Jane answer. Oh, he's going to be great. He's working really hard in practice. Uh, um, he's super talented. I mean, uh, and, and I expect that in a, in a press conference. I just wonder whether there's anything happening behind the scenes in that regard. Because Ayuk is a guy 
who needs to step it up. I mean, it's clear that the that the, the coaching staff is sending that signal to him. The quarterbacks are sending that signal to him by not targeting him all that often. Um, but um, I, I, I'd lo- love to hear what it was like in your day and whether there was if there was a talented guy on your team who just wasn't delivering what would happen to that guy again it's a different time and a different athlete but i can just speak to you know being in a room with guys like charles haley uh larry roberts michael carter pierce holt um kevin fagan i mean these guys i mean i came in as a rookie they told me you know you're gonna go in on third down so we can rest. So you got to get your butt in gear because we need you out there. And, you know, you had guys like Ronnie Lott. And we know Ronnie, what Ronnie Lott did. You talk about team meetings. We had we had player-only meetings when we won football games because Ronnie wasn't happy with something, special teams or <laughs> the way we even walked out the locker room. This is after wins. We had player-only meetings. So... You know, I, I came through the 49ers and we had some some vocal. We had a we had a quarterback, Joe Montana, even though he joked a lot, he was very vocal in the locker room. He was a big jokester, but he he made everything. I remember when JJ Stokes came, him just going off on JJ Stokes as he was dropping balls in the um, uh during practices. So, you know, I, I came from a different time, but then I think the athlete was different too, because that's just the way you coached back then and the way you got motivated was someone I mean call you on your BS and you know I, I don't know if these athletes can handle that right now I don't know if if that's the regular but it's still it's 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 leadership but it's still the coach's responsibility to try to motivate I remember Pete Carroll I mean people would run through walls for Pete Carroll and I don't know how he did it even though he was my coordinator for some reason you wanted to play hard for Pete Carroll and I don't know if it was because he was kind of loose on the field, on the football field or on the practice field, in the meeting rooms, but you really felt like I would do anything for this coach. And he's still, I mean, he's, you know, the Seahawks are going through whatever they're going through, but he's done it for so many years. The guy is 70 years old and he's still getting it done up in Seattle, I think. So the coaches take a lot of responsibility in this too, getting motivated. But, you know, Fred Warner's having a tough season for some reason. Um, you know, George Kittle's a guy that, you know, I, I don't know if his I don't know if he if he speaks in the locker room or what he, what, what his locker room presence presence is, but he's he's that kind of a jokester kind of guy, you know, the WWE type of thing. So I don't I don't I just don't I this team needs something, someone to stand up and just say, listen, we we're, we're here to play football and this is a 49er way. The 49er way is being efficient. Uh winning football games not not penalties not turning over the football and this I mean it's just it's just very inconsistent when I watch this team you know even this last week it's like pass rush is there pass rush is gone I mean how does pass rush just disappear pass rush is the easiest thing to do as far as a football uh football or football team goes because you're just rushing up field and it just disappears you know, and you have some of the better pass rushers in the National Football League. So it's motivation. It's being, you know, being consistent. It'd be great to see this team be consistent for one. So, um, but leadership plays a lot in it. And, you know, I think some of the leaders right now are kind of going through their own things, their own things. And it's tough to get motivated. And it's tougher to watch these guys out there play on Sunday. Well, the 49ers better hope it's that because it, I just think that they're not getting 
talented enough play or polished enough play at, at really important positions. You know, you you look at the pass rush and it seems to be running out of steam at you know some critical times although against Arizona I think they were relatively good all game that was the 49ers best defensive performance of the season but we've talked about this before uh against Seattle the the 49ers offense just wasn't capitalizing in the first half they're misexecuting 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 and then boom all of a sudden Russell Wilson is is moving the ball against the defense and and I think that Kyle Shanahan has constructed a you know every team relies on complementary football but the 49ers may be more reliant on it than everyone else. And they, they have this type of setup where the margins are are very thin. And if everything clicks, the team is really, really, really good, as we saw in 2019. But if one key cog is is off, uh, because you know the 49ers don't typically deliver explosive passing plays out of straight drop back situations because they are so rush over coverage oriented and that pass rush can get tired if the 49ers aren't possessing the ball on the other side. Uh, you know, because of all that stuff can derail really quickly if the 49ers aren't picking up consistent first downs, if they're not moving the chains, if they're not doing what it takes from a complimentary football perspective to keep the defense fresh. And I think offensively, you have to point at the quarterback position. Uh, I, you know, I was critical of Jimmy Garoppolo back when he was healthy against the, the Packers because he was missing some easy passes early in that game against Green Bay. He missed some early passes against Philadelphia that would have moved the chains and put the 49ers in rhythm to potentially look more like they did in 2019 than they did in 2020. But he didn't do it. He finally turned it up later in those games, but uh, didn't work out. Then against Seattle, Jimmy Garoppolo came out hot, but that's when he hurt his calf and the rest of the first half was a mess. Uh, if we want to look at Trey Lance, well, I mean, it's hard to be too critical of a rookie who's played most of his career in the FCS, but there's been no quarterback more inaccurate than Trey Lance in the NFL through his first six quarters. If you look at the advanced numbers, I mean, under 10%, but below expect the completion percentage for Trey Lance. The offense hasn't been efficient. Uh, obviously, this is something that the 49ers tried to you know, say up front right after the draft. Trey Lance is probably not going to be ready for full-time duty, but because Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt again, he was thrust into that full-time duty against Arizona. So at the most important position, Matt, the 49ers have just not been stable enough right now. And they need stability at quarterback. I mean, they've invested so much in the quarterback position. They're paying Garoppolo $27 million this year, and they paid so much just to have Trey Lance on this roster as well in 2021. They bent over backwards to fit Jimmy Garoppolo's cap hit with the hope that there would be no Nick Mullins-like situation if you drop down you know, uh, due to injury at the quarterback position. They were hoping to have the best of both worlds, to have a double-edged sword at QB. And right now, it's just this lack of identity, this iffiness at QB that the 49ers have to fix with a bang coming out of the bye week because as quarterback goes in my opinion so will the rest of the roster that's probably true for most teams I mean um you know th this is going to become a, a question in coming weeks the the trade deadline is is November 2 if the 49ers continue to get inconsistent play uh in the in the three or four games of, before that uh trade deadline from Jimmy Garoppolo what do they do at that point? I mean, um, you know, would, would they entertain a trade uh, or, or and, um, you know, officially kind of turn the, the reins over to Trey Lance? Or do they go with Jimmy Garoppolo through the rest of the season knowing that 
it's just going to be uh, a choppy performance. Um, Dennis, what, what what would you say to that? Uh, you know, should the 49ers, if they continue down this path uh, that they have uh, established these first five games, should they look toward uh, changing um, quarterbacks and, and 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 saying goodbye to Jimmy Garoppolo right now. I'm not a general general manager, but when's the trade dead, deadline? Like November fourth or something like that. Yeah, November two. Okay, so on paper it looks like this team is talented, but you know you're down to basically two running backs. Uh, you're down to what two tight ends. Um, your offensive line is, is 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 what it is, and you can use some depth there. Your second round draft picks not playing. So, you know, I, I don't know if you could actually trust, I don't know, trust, but, you know, the as far as scouts, I mean, you've missed a lot here. You, you've missed a lot. Your, your draft picks and in free agency this year, you've missed a lot. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo. You know what you get with him. I think we knew he would probably get hurt this season because that's just what he does. But you go out and you get Trey Lance and you say he's not ready to play knowing darn well eventually he's going to have to play because Jimmy's going to get hurt. So now you've got Trey Lance kind of banged up now. So you've got two banged up quarterbacks. I mean, you trade, you know, a veteran quarterback for a banged up rookie quarterback. I mean, I, I don't know if, if if that's what you want to do. But, um, you know, Jimmy, I didn't know Jimmy was making that much money this year. So it's a financial part to it. And, um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's just, it, it, you couldn't write this horror flick in Hollywood. <laughs> you got two quarterbacks that are just beat up, a team that's beat up. So I, I don't know what you do. And, I, and I'm, I'm perplexed. I don't, I don't know what happened with this team. You know, we've had, you know, 2000 or, yeah, well, 19 when, when, when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl. That's the only season, you know, this Kyle Shanahan era that's been a good season. Other than that, it's been losing season, like losing bad seasons. So I don't know if this team is used to losing now or what's the mentality of this team, but it doesn't seem like there's any sense of urgency. Um, you know, your, your quarterback goes down, your running backs go down, and now it looks like it's going to be one of those long seasons, especially if these quarterbacks can't come back. So really, to answer your question, I don't know what you do. I, I, I think you try to keep the quarterbacks you have, even though they're beat up, um, because Jimmy Garoppolo does probably give you the best, um, the best uh, chances of winning a football game. But again, he's not; he may not even be on the football field. So I, I don't know, Matthew. I really don't know. I'm perplexed with the whole thing. Yeah, you could cross the bridge when you get to it. It's not a decision the 49ers have to make right now. And you know, everybody is trying to make these grand proclamations about, oh, after five games, it's clear this team is not a contender. I mean, nobody can be sure right now. I mean, this through five games again, that's a small sample. The defense is actually playing well right now, coming out of Arizona, where the Cardinals were uh, leading the league, thirty-five points per game entering the game. 49ers held them to seventeen. Uh, I thought they, you know, did a good job handling Kyler Murray. And when you have at least one component of your team sturdy and I think the defense is sturdy right now I think the Miko Ryans has grown on the job he's done a good job scheming around the loss of Jason Verrett and yes the pass rush is still inconsistent but as Matt said maybe Sansom Ebucom has been held back by that hamstring maybe this bye week helps him get stronger and as a result that defense gets stronger when you have that one component in place 
And then you look at the offense and say, hey, there's some pieces here. And we believe, as the 49ers, they can say, we believe that uh, we're not too far away from making this click because sometimes it's just one thing that you fix. You know, that quarterback is a little bit sharper. Well, you know, the right tackle blocks a little bit better. Elijah Mitchell starts to hit the outside zones. That one thing can create efficient offense that's more consistent. And then, boom, all of a sudden, you're back in the thick of things. And right now, the 49ers aren't out of the thick of things. It's They're only two and three, and there's still 12 games left. And, it, you know, if they come out and beat Indianapolis and if they start winning some football games and playing the more complimentary football I was talking about, uh, then I think it's obvious. They they, they stick, stick with the offseason plan. Jimmy Garoppolo is the most efficient option. Trey Lance, you, you bring him along and you allow him to raise the ceiling of the offense this season. However, if stuff continues going off the rails and if uh, the, the bottom and the floor comes out from underneath the defense and it's very clear that this team has no chance to do anything, well, then all options are on the table. But the good news, Matt, is that you don't have to decide right now. You can decide before November 2nd, and there's still a couple games to be played before then. Yeah, and and I think uh, uh, I, I was just putting that out there to be provocative, but I would go probably the conservative route with that, with my concern being um, this number three overall pick, Trey Lance. I don't want to get him injured. I don't want to get him um, into a situation where, I don't know, he, he takes too much abuse his, his first year, um, I think that they have to be leery of, uh, and, and I, I don't think that these guys are, are the same uh, as far as their, their makeup in any way, shape, or fashion. But, I mean, we saw um, RG3 um, have a spectacular rookie season and then fall apart after that. He was never the same after that. And, I, and, I, and I, I'm sure that uh, Kyle Shanahan is quite leery of that history lesson. Um, and wanted to take an entirely different approach this year with Trey Lance for a variety of reasons. Um, but um, so I, I think that that has to be paramount, that you can't ruin your rookie quarterback in, uh, in his first year. Um, and, um, you know, uh, th- that's why I think uh, no matter how ugly this gets, you, you have to stick to your plan. Um, and, uh, you know, the best laid plans go awry. And uh, that started to happen with the 49ers uh, in the first quarter in Detroit, and we just talked about that. But um, I think that the theme coming out of this buy is take a deep breath and let's go back to plan A, and um, you know we can make this work. And you're absolutely right, David. This, this league, unlike any other sports league, it is week to week. We're all doom and gloom right now. If they beat the Colts, and even if it's a tight win, it's, it, the outlook is going to be so much different. They'll be three and three, five hundred ball. It'll it'll feel like uh, you know they're, they're at least back on even ground, and uh, they can build from that. Three and three, uh, yeah. I mean that that would be idea. But can this team go out and you know we know what Carson Wentz did the last time he came to Levi's, so. You know, you, you, you gotta you gotta do some things different. I mean, you I like the two quarterback. You got two beat up quarterbacks. Maybe together, they can put together a, a decent football game. So it mean, it all comes down to you know the urgency. I mean, does this team understand how important these games are now moving forward? That every game is basically, and I I can say it. it it's a must win because you know I think this team needs to start stacking some wins. And, you know, this is a good opportunity coming Sunday night back at Levi's. 
Um, having won a game at home in front of home fans, and I don't even know how long. I guess it was the NFC Championship game uh, before COVID hit. So, you know, this this team needs us desperately, but this team also needs a lot of guys to really to really stand up and play. Fred Warner needs to get back to form where he was. The secondary needs to f- figure out their niche and what they're going to do. Uh, this defensive line needs to, to apply pressure like they did in 19 consistently and shutting down offenses. So it, it can be done. Um, and the offense just has to be efficient. You can't start slow. You got to score in the first half. You know, they, we always talk about a Kyle Shanahan offense should be scoring 31 points a game. You figure out your running game. Get creative. I want to see this creative Kyle Shanahan that we we love to kind of talk about. His game, his game plan, and his his creativity as far as game planning. So it's possible, but I'm I I, I just you know this team. It just it doesn't seem like it's motivated right now. They have a hard time getting motivated for football games. Start slow. They can't finish football games. So it's going to take a lot, but it's going to take a lot of players individually to kind of stand up and play a whole lot better. Yeah, so I think you know it's really important to uh, consider perspective with the 2019 49ers and then even some 49ers teams in the past and and remind ourselves that these seasons are such such marathons and I think, you know, some expectations might have been skewed by how how violently that 2019 team dominated the league. I mean, they were eight and zero before you could blink, right? Uh, they finished thirteen and three, but it just seemed like such a huge chunk of winning, essentially uninterrupted. And the point differential was dominant that year too. I, I think they lost against Seattle on the very last play of overtime. As time expired, uh, they barely dropped. Uh, the game against Baltimore, and they lost very narrowly on the Julio Jones touchdown to Atlanta. So, yeah, I mean, it it, it almost came too easily for that 2019 team, and that team was so good, right? And and people, you know, when the 49ers started talking about, oh, we want to reprise this part of 2019, we want to do this, we want to do this. Everybody got into this mentality. Well, oh, it's gonna have to be another eight and no start. It's gonna have to be uh, 13 and three. And to be honest, the NFL rarely works that way especially since we see that the 49ers probably have a slightly weaker roster at some key junctures of the roster right now you know namely uh the second edge rushing spot you're not getting you know as many snaps from d ford for example and you don't have a ronald blair on this team it doesn't look like fred warner's playing as well this year and obviously cornerback is is a little bit worse um but i mean just look at the 1988 49ers just as an example the the team was six and five they had two beaten up quarterbacks. Joe Montana and Steve Young were shuffling back and forth. Steve Young couldn't really pass yet. He was more of a runner back then. Bill Walsh was stressed out of his mind. He would have to retire at the end of the season because it was taking such a toll on him. And I think this is taking a toll right now on Kyle Shanahan, by the way. Um, and, it, you know, everybody counted the 49ers out. And then guess what happens? They turn it on. The Jets come on at the end of the season. They win several straight games, get into the postseason, and they win the Super Bowl. Um, I, I, it, that is just to illustrate that that you can't judge any team and how it's going to perform over the marathon in in early October, especially when they do have have some talent on the team. Obviously, Joe Montana is not walking through that door. That sucks for the 49ers. Uh, Steve Young, you know, maybe 
maybe Trey Lance uh, brings a lot of what Steve Young did as far as that uh, athleticism earlier in Young's career before he turned into a polished passer. 49ers certainly would hope that Trey Lance develops into that type of passer, but that for Steve Young didn't really happen until 1992. That was four years after 1988. But this 49ers team has other strengths, right? They have Nick Bosa. Uh, they have Jimmy Ward, who I think is a good football player. They obviously have uh, some talent as far as run blocking goes with Trent Williams, who's obviously a good pass blocker too. And Debo Samuel, who's second in the NFL in wide receiving yardage right now. So uh, when George Kittle comes back, you, you just c- continue stacking on to that cadre of talent. You hope that Brandon Ayuk turns the corner and you see where this ends up at the end of the journey. And right now, Matt, we're five games in and still 12 games to go. So we're just past... Uh, the quarter point of, of the season. And, and I still think there's a lot of this story left to be told. Yeah, sure. And and your your point about 2019 is well taken. But I, I think 2019 goes to Dennis's point, too, in that, um, you know, they, they weren't firing on all cylinders uh, in every game that season. I remember that, that game they got back from the East Coast. They played the, the Steelers. That was a very sort of ugly, disjointed game. But they were able to gut out uh, a win in that one. They they were able to win most of their close contest. I, I think that overtime game against the the Seahawks was the exception, and and Robbie Gold was was hurt for that. They would have won that game uh, probably if if he were healthy. Um, and they're not winning those this year, uh, and uh, for for myriad reasons, and we've gone into them. But um, you know, I, I think Dennis's point has been. There needs to be some sort of hunger and fight that uh, we saw, um, clearly saw in in 2019. This was an angry team from having been a loser for so long. And, they, and there was lots of talk in 2017 and 2018 about losing uh, close games and this and that, and we're really close. 2019 was the, the year that they were going to put it all together, and there seemed to be a focus and, like I said, a hunger, a desire uh, and I think Dennis is describing this. We're all describing the same thing. Just not seeing it this year. There's an incoherence uh, to this team that they need to figure out. They need to figure out fast. Uh, Dennis, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but uh, is that uh, is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, it's very accurate. And and um, it just it just just it did, when you watch this team play, it, they just don't feel like. They they play with any type of urgency, and you know it's hard to explain it to people who haven't been, you know, in an NFL football games. It just it the fight does just not it doesn't seem to be there. I mean, guys are are you know the you know, injuries are injuries, but you just don't see guys fighting and struggling. I mean, it's almost like that George Kittle attitude. You know, I mean, he was he was beat up. Uh, I think it was uh, what was the before the Cardinals game, you could tell he was beat up, but he was he was out there grunting, getting it out. I mean, they, I think it was the Green Bay game. I mean, he was taking shots still. He was fighting. He was trying to win the game, trying to do his best. You just don't see these guys putting up that fight. And that's what I worry about. That's what I, when I talk about leadership, um, you know, I just, it just doesn't seem like they have the sense of urgency. Maybe I, I could be wrong. I hope I am wrong. But it just, it seems like, and I talk about individual players, individual players have to step up, but there has to be some someone in this football team, someone in this locker room that just kind of says, listen, guys, you know, and maybe they listen to this podcast and say, hey, guys, there's, there's still a chance. Because my fear is this team is getting used to 
once these injuries happen, you just kind of say, okay, the season's over. And mm-hmm. that's what it's starting to kind of feel like, that these guys are like, okay, we lost our quarterback. Oh, snap, we lost our second-string quarterback too. Well, this season, we lost our running back. This season is is, is going to be a wrap until you know we regroup again for next season. That's what I'm afraid of, that this team is getting used to losing. And that's always the worst thing about a, that could happen to a football organization is you get used to to lose it. It's a great point. Well, uh, I'll wrap it up like this. I think that if the 49ers used last year um, as a cautionary tale, they did bounce back last year from that initial stretch of struggle, right? When they lost to Philadelphia and Miami, they won two big games against the Rams and then at the Patriots when Jimmy Garoppolo came back. And he obviously wasn't 100%, but they found that hunger temporarily, right? And, and it looked like they're going to be able to make something happen. Obviously, that all went up in flames in Seattle when everybody got hurt. The, the, the remaining healthy players or available players all went on the shelf after that game, uh, and then it, it, it all just circled down the drain. But still, there was that moment last season where the 49ers got that second wind. It obviously wasn't enough, but I think that uh, you, you have to apply that to this season, and they have to get that second wind against the Colts. Uh, on October 24th. And then what they need to do is they need to hold on to the second wind this time around as opposed to what happened in 2020. And if that happens, we're having a totally different discussion here in a few weeks. But, um, you know, the the interconnectivity of offense and defense and all these different variables, guys playing poorly, guys maybe not as motivated, uh, I would just... I would just uh, bring us back to Kyle Juszczyk's quote he said a couple weeks ago. This is the NFL. Stuff can change really, really fast. And I think that both of you hit on that as well. So we'll see what happens. Anyway, this has been the Here's the Catch podcast for Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown. We will talk to you before the 49ers take on the Indianapolis Colts. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.